Well, all right. Well, Deuteronomy 5, verse 19. You shall not steal. The, the, the breadth of this particular command is vast, uh, just like all the others. Uh, this particular command uh, deals with our station in life. So the first one dealt with our heart in terms of its purity uh, in sexual matters, in terms of uh, that aspect of our humanity. This particular command deals with our heart, deals with our heart in our station in life. And what you find, it's very interesting that the New Testament does something amazing with this particular command. It's a beautiful thing that the New Testament does. Let me not get ahead of myself. But in the Old Testament, there was clear punishments for it. In the New Testament, there is, a, there is, a, there is an injection of pace onto this command. This pace runs much further and much higher, it takes us much higher to see uh, the beauty of the life that we're called to as those who are to be covenant keepers with God. So, uh, we're going to talk about that in a moment, but this, this is a wonderful command. I hope you'll see that this command uh, brings with it for us a vision for life. It, this command helps us order our thinking on the earth uh, vastly in all areas, essentially. Um, group one, what is theft? Theft is taking someone's property without their permission or taking something that does not belong to you. Um, so the second question was, what are, the, what are all the acts forbidden in this message? So let's read, let me just read for you. Uh, ex- I gave you Exodus 22. Exodus 22, which we did look at a little bit, if you remember last year when we were looking at the, when we were looking at the, the law, we, look, we saw that, but let's look at it again. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall, surely, he shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, okay, so Stealing an ox or sheep and slaughtering it or selling it. And, uh, so, so we can, as long as we don't steal ox and sheep, we can steal iPhones, right? It's fine. <laughs> An application. No, no. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh huh. Okay, so uh, the second one is uh, deadly self defense during the day. Not deadly self-defense during the, the day. Yeah. Retaliation on someone who stole. Yes. Not deadly self. We'll, we'll see that just now. Okay, go on. Yeah, I think Brother Nanu will 
Because we've recovered the item, but you still must pay. Yeah. Exactly. And if you are unable to do any of those, you have to work back, um, I guess, the value of the thing you stole. Yes. You will be sold, for th- you'll be sold into slavery yeah. until you've paid it back. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, guys, uh, uh, this, is, this, is a, um, this, is, this is an important text to understand the concept of, of theft on the earth, and therefore what is just punishment, what is just retaliation, and what is not. Okay? In this text, we see God's mind opening for us in the civil law of Israel what an ordered society does with people who steal. So the reason that the, the, it's not the same, if you have it, if okay, you, you stole my phone, the reason that you just pay double versus when you've sold it or done, then you have to pay a bit more is because the sin has compounded. You took my item and then you used it. See? But now if you've, you've taken my item, you were just about to use it and then I caught you, well then the, the punishment is going to be a bit less. The reason that it's a bit more when you've used it is because you've used something that didn't be not, be not belong to you. Uh, the, the theft is in its fullest sense. There's also here about retaliation from the person who does not, um, uh, the person who is being stolen from. So, look at what it says there. At night, the guy's coming in and you tell him stop, he doesn't stop, and then you strike him and he dies, you're not guilty. That's what he says. You see what he says? If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him, meaning that the person who killed him is not guilty of anything. Why? Because the person was trying to stop the person from stealing and it led to the person's death, meaning that the person got the, the, the price for what they were doing. They, they, they were gambling with their life and that's what happened. But if the person was caught, they were able to be restrained and then the, the day came, there's no need now for you to go, go drink and then come back angry. You were stealing from me. <laughs> if... You were stealing from me. You had the audacity to steal from me. Die. You see that? There shall be blood guilt. See, but if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. So you're not allowed to come back after the fact because there, the, 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 because you see, st- death is not a just meat. A just, uh, you know, in, in Newton's, was it? Is it Newton's third law? The, you, you, make, you engineers are going to laugh at me. Please don't. But I think it's Newton's third law, right? The equal force, that, that, that resisting the force that you're putting in, something like this. Don't laugh at me. Just, you understand what I'm saying. Okay? It's the same thing. To kill someone for stealing an iPhone is ridiculous. You with me? Okay? So when mob justice happens, I'm all for people in their communities organizing together to prevent crime and even using force, and sometimes using deadly force, if the person is persisting while they're trying to stop him. But I'm not for, here's the person who's been caught. 
Now let's drag him through the streets and make an example about him. That's not biblical. That is evil. And in Israel, you would have been killed if you did that. See, see what the mind of God is saying. The mind of God is saying, use all the force that you can to stop a crime from happening. But once a crime has happened and the person has been caught, and then there's no need to kill the person, don't over-retaliate. You with me? Even in your relationships, you can take that principle and apply it. Even in your relationships, uh, as you live with each other here, just if somebody's sinned against you, there's no need to retaliate. Okay? Like, some of you get so worked up. How can this person... Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Like, just relax, Baba. Just, just be here. Just enjoy. Okay, I've been sinned against. Okay, it's fine. First Corinthians 5 said this. You guys have the audacity of taking each other to court. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather take an L? You're going to heaven. You're going to heaven and you're busy squabbling about a dent on your car. You're going to heaven. Rather take an L and move on. Rather, now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't fix things. This is not against people fixing things and re- repairing what they've done. I'm not saying, I'm not against that. But don't, don't, be, don't react so disproportionately that you're going to take someone to court. You're a Christian. I'm, I'm, and by this, of course, we mean Christians taking each other to court. Okay, That's, I have to qualify what I'm saying. Um, he says, you're a Christian. Rather just take an L for the sake of the unity of the church. Don't take this brother to court. Rather just take an L and move on with life. That's the, that's the idea here. Don't over-retaliate. So stealing here is shown in very vivid terms and everything around it is explained to us. Okay, next. Group two. What is theft? And I gave you Proverbs 30 verses 7 to 9. Let me read it and then I'll allow you to talk. Proverbs 30 verses 7 to 9. This, for me, is my favorite verse in the whole Bible as it relates to the subject of theft. This is my favorite. This verse is unique. I haven't seen anything like this verse in all the scriptures. Uh, verses, t- Proverbs 30, verses 7 to 9. Listen to this. Listen to this prayer, dear Christian. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Why? Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is Yahweh? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Go ahead. Just, just the, the text. The text.
Yes. Um, well, and you've broken his commandment, which is not to steal. Uh, excellent, Benji. Thank you. This, 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 verses 7 to 9 here, let this, can this, let this be a prayer of your life. Let me tell you why. Because the, the command you shall not steal is expanded and blown up in this prayer. This is the way to pray with regards to this command. For yourself, you are praying that my condition in life may be such that my hands are always like open asking from you and that I never move away from you and you being my provider. Either from looking to myself to provide because I'm now poor, I don't have enough, or because I don't see the need for you to provide because I am full. The risk of riches, dear friends, listen to me, the risk of riches is forgetting God. Jesus said this, you know it. I know people try to jump around that text because they want you to want to be rich, but I'm telling you, you don't want to be rich. Jesus said it. It is much easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to the kingdom of heaven. Why did he single out the rich man? Why didn't he single out the, the adulterous person? Why didn't he single out the proud person? Why didn't he single out anybody else? Why did he single out specifically as it relates to circumstances? You understand, riches are external circumstances. Usually the things that, that, are your, that are a block for you from entering the kingdom of heaven is something internal. Riches is the only thing that the New Testament speaks about that is external from you, that's not in you, that's external from you, that is a blockade for you to go into heaven. Why is that? Because with, the, with riches, with, with fatness, with stuffing your face, and having so much that you're just in your air, having so much, you forget to cry out to the maker of the universe. That is why fasting is a necessary thing in your life. Fasting is an important spiritual discipline. Because by fasting you're saying, I'm going to take some time off of eating so that I can pray and come close to my God. And each time my stomach says, hey Baba, eat, you say, I'm going to pray. Each time you feel those hunger pangs, you say, I'm going to pray. This hunger pang, I'm going to use this hunger pang as a reminder to go to my God. Fasting is a tool to remind you that, hey, this is not everything. So, do not want to be rich. Don't want to be rich. Greed. Do not, don't want to be greedy. Don't, do, don't try to get stuff. Don't, accum, don't try to accumulate stuff. Don't, try, don't want to be rich. First Timothy 6 says this. Those who desire to be rich fall into what? Many temptations. You are adding temptations to your life. Let me tell you. If, you. if it is your stated desire to be rich, to have stuff in your life, to have more possessions, you are going against the prayer that you are supposed to be praying every day. Lead me not into temptations. You are saying, give me more temptations. If you desire to be rich, because what's going to happen? Bitcoin is going to happen. Cryptocurrencies, this investment, pyramid schemes. All kinds of things are going to happen. There's going to be this and that and these people and these people. This seminar and that seminar. You're busy driving using your petrol to get to that seminar. And then you're, you're given all these things and then you pay all these pamphlets and no money comes. Desire, being desirous to be rich will lead you into many temptations. Don't, do not desire it. I'm telling you guys, there, there are a few things that are snakes for your walk to, with God. And the desire for riches is one of them. 
Lust is another one. That's why the scripture says, flee sexual immorality. It doesn't say fight. Flee. See? With the devil, what, do, what are we told to do? To fight. Right? There are certain things. You can fight with the devil. You can be like, was. But we're Usain Bolt when it comes to sexual immorality. It's the same thing with desire to be rich. Riches themselves aren't the problem. Money itself is not an issue. Or possessions, the things themselves are nothing. They have nothing and they're nothing. You can have them, you cannot have them. The desire to have them is the problem. That's that thing that rises up to say, why don't I have a Lamborghini? You with me? On the other hand, uh, he, he prays here at the same time that he might be kept from poverty because what poverty is going to do is he's, is, he's going to be in such a, a corner in a position such that he's going to have to steal. He's going to have to try and cut corners. He's going to have to try and do certain things that are evil, that God does not want. And the sin that he does not want to do is to profane the name of my God. I hope you guys have been are you seeing a pattern. This is exactly the same thing that, that uh, Joseph said as to why he did not want to sleep with that woman, with Potiphar's wife. To, to not profane the name of my God. If when you ever think about keeping any of these commandments outside of that rubric, I do not want to profane the name of my God. If, you, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're fighting these and you, and you don't have that in front of you, you're, you're, not, you're not where Scripture wants you to be. Okay, listen, listen. It's good to think about other things that might happen, okay? It's good to think, hey, I don't want to go to prison, so let me not see you, okay? It's a good thing. If that will keep you, if that's the fear that will keep you from going to prison, it's great, it's wonderful, use it, okay? Rather, rather be somebody who gets to heaven having tried to not steal because you were afraid of going to prison than somebody who goes to hell because you said, well, I didn't feel very, very holy, so I just stole anyway. Okay, it's much better to just use whatever it is that you can, use whatever fear that you can uh, in order to stop yourself from sinning. But let me tell you what the, let me, let, let me call out from you the, the higher goal, the scriptural goal that's to stop you from sinning. The main thing is that I want to, I want to, I've been given the name Christian. I've been given the name Christ. I am a disciple of Christ. Jesus Christ, that glorious man, that holy man, that wonderful man of all the ages, he walked this earth, died for me, so that I can have life in him. How can I do this thing after what he's done for me? That's the goal. You understand what I'm saying? That's, the, that's where you want your heart to be. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's more, you, you want to make sure that your heart is the thing that's leading. Your heart is so towards Christ so towards loving him, so towards thinking and meditating on him that all of these other things just feel like it's dirt. You don't want it because you want him. And let me encourage you to fight for that. Now, again, I'm not discouraging you if you're using other things to stop yourself from sinning. Please, please do it. But this is the goal. I do not want to profane the name of my God. Are you with me? We are to be covenant keepers. We are, though, we, are, we are those who have been called into a wonderful covenant with the Lord. And so we want to keep the covenant. We want to honor him for what he's done for us.
Okay. Uh, group three and four. What, what are all the sins closely associated to theft? Create a comprehensive list from the Old and New Testaments. Try to think in terms of broad concepts or biblical principles and attempt to find at least five with diverse references. Sharon? You've got what? Greed. Greed. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Dishonest gain. Yes. Oppression of others for the sake of enriching yourself. Excellent. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So, no. so you, because you want to be rich, you don't pay what is due. Excellent. Um, Proverbs 13, verse 9, Yes. Do you see how broad this is, guys? When you're being lazy. Oh, 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 okay. Look at me now. When you're pro <laughs> listen, listen. When you're when you're procrastinating, when you're procrastinating, you're breaking this commandment. What are you saying when you're procrastinating? What are you saying? You're saying that instead of... Because procrastinating is, doing, is not doing what you're supposed to be doing right now. It's doing something else. There's, there's a particular time that's been allotted for you to do this. So what you're going to do, you're going to do it later. When you could have done it better and best now. You're going to do it later. What you're doing is you're saying... You're saying that God owes you more time. You're saying that God owes you more time. You're saying that you'd much rather, under pressure, produce a useless piece of work than with the time that God has given you, use it to the hilt. Okay? When you're procrastinating, you are breaking this commandment. You are. Procrastination is called the thief of time. <laughs> For a reason. You, you, you're, not, you're not thinking clearly. When you're being late, because procrastination is just another word for laziness. Okay, you guys are very clever. You create new words. You create new words so that you can run away from the biblical text. Oh, no, there's no procrastination in the Bible, so this is, no, procrastination is laziness. Go learn from the ant. Do you think the, do you think the ant in Proverbs chapter 6 has time to procrastinate? Have you ever read about that ant in Proverbs 6? Do you think that, that ant has time to procrastinate? Let's not gather now. Winter's coming in four months, guys. Relax. No. The ant, you see it, Baba. It's buzzing. When it's time for it to work, it's working. Because the time of rest is coming. That's why I said to you that all of this is actually connected. That's why you, 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 don't, come to, you don't rest on the Lord's Day. Okay, you, you argue with me. No. No, I'm a student. I need seven days to work. No, you don't. You're just not using your time wisely. No, you don't. 
You're, you're busy watching stuff, or you're busy playing stuff, or you're busy doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. It's when you're supposed to be working, you're not working. So when you're supposed to be resting and trusting in God and coming to worship Him, you don't do that. You do the work that you're behind on. Sin. Breaking the fourth and the eighth commandment. Dear saints, I'm, I want to call you out of this. I want to call you out from the world. I want to call you out. Leave the world. Live in this way. Live in the way of people who understand the kingdom. That we are to be busy. We are to be hard workers. While it is called day, the Bible says, redeem the time. Have you ever heard that, that phrase? Redeem the time. Make sure that how you're using the time now is biblical. Redeem it. Yeah? Again, I'm not against leisure. It's just people are going to accuse me now. I'm not against leisure. Relaxing. There's time to relax. Like the Ecclesiastes said, there's a time for everything. The key is this. What are you, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it? That's it. If you have eight hours during the day to work, are you working in those eight hours? Maybe taking the right breaks at the right time, but are you working? Or are you being lazy? You can use the word procrastinate if you want, but I'm going to use a biblical one. You're being lazy. You need to do what you need to do. God's people are those who are holy, who walk before Him in holiness. And part of our holiness is to be hard workers. I know one, one pastor, before somebody becomes a member in their church, calls their employer. <laughs> before they have the, the pastor interview to become a member in the church, they call their, their boss. Can you just give me a number of your boss? What, what would it look like if I called your lecturers? <laughs> It's a testimony thing, okay? You see, it's a testimony thing, guys. Are you an exemplary student? Are you an exemplary? Because it's a testimony. It's your testimony before God. Are you, do, are you someone who does what you're supposed to be doing at the time that you're supposed to be doing it? Or are you always asking for extensions? Again, I'm not, now I'm not arguing, okay, if there are bigger things, you know, the school, the lecturer really gave us really small time. I don't want to get into that. I'm just asking about your lifestyle. Okay, I'm not really trying to uh, go into specific details or specific things. I'm just, generally, are you a person who does what you're supposed to be doing? You must be that kind of person. Let me call you towards that. Be that kind of person. Be the person who does what you're supposed to be doing. Just set, set a timetable. Do whatever is that help you, that helps you. But, but, but do what you're supposed to do when God requires it. When God has said do it. So that you can rest on the Lord's day. Rest easy. Be with the saints. Worship Him. Go play golf. Rest. Forget about everything on that day. This, this is really connected to that. Um, it's really connected with the fourth commandment. It's part of our trust of God. Group, uh, group uh, what was it? Was it group four? Did you have anything else to add to that list? Coveting and, and lasting is, is a part of it. Um, because, <clears throat> um, uh, well, let me not talk much about coveting because we're going to discuss it when we get to it uh, the next time we meet. So, but that's, a good, that's an excellent one, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about it more then. Okay, uh, last two groups. 
Um, I asked you to. We now. I, I, I want to bring all of this to the gospel. And the New Testament does gospel things with this with this command. It's a beautiful thing that the New Testament does. In two passages, Ephesians four twenty eight and Matthew six nineteen to twenty one. So let me um, let me read for you Ephesians four twenty eight. Then I'm going to ask just representatives of the two groups to just tell us what they said about those questions. Listen to this. Let the thief no longer steal. Why? But rather let him work, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Group uh, five and six. Group six, what he says, one of the things that changes here is we no longer rely on our own quick feelings, but instead we're able to work hard and trust God without them to come out with something on ourselves. Um, and this takes it a step further because what this enables us to do is it enables us to act in this love and wanting to live out this holiness. We're able to now extend love to our neighbors. Yeah. 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 It adds an extra element of looking outward. Group, 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 group five. What did you guys say? verse, who should we be concerned with when we consider why we shouldn't steal? It introduces a new concept. What is behind theft? It's all about me taking from someone else what belongs to them and giving it to who? To me. But what does the gospel do? It changes that on its head. I'm going to labor to get stuff the right way so that I can give it to someone else. You see this? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Instead of me grabbing, give to myself, I work hard so that I can give. It is a, this is the gospel, guys. The gospel changes your focus from yourself to others. The gospel changes your focus practically from, from stuff to people. People are now no longer the the means to an end. The stuff becomes the means to people. Let me say this again in a different way. 
In the past, when you're not, when you're not in the gospel, you use people, the, the thief used people in order to get stuff. So steal from people, deceive, whatever. Use people to get stuff. Now, in the gospel, the, 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 the gospel Christian uses stuff in order to benefit people. I hope you see what I'm saying. What does it say about your possessions? How are you to use the stuff you have? If you're at Heritage, we discussed this a few weeks ago in Acts 4. Share it. <laughs> Wasn't a trick question. <laughs> Yo, share it. Right? I mean, the only thing you're not allowed to share is your masks. <laughs> but other than that, share it. Okay? Be a person who shares your stuff. Share your petrol. Share your money. Share your jacket. I'm a student. I don't have much to share. No, you do. You have something to share. Share it. Give to the one who doesn't have. Look out, to the, for the, look out for the one in need and give to them. The gospel calls you to this. The gospel calls you in a beautiful way. One of the most excellent ways that this is explained in the New Testament is by John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 where he says, the one who has two shirts must do what? Must give the one shirt to the one who doesn't have one. He doesn't say the one who has two shirts must give his second shirt to the one who has a shirt. He says, the one who has two shirts must look for the one who has no shirt and give him the second shirt. Paul explains the same principle when Mike, Michael explained this to us a few, few months ago now in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul speaks about the same principle. I'm not, he says, I'm not asking you Corinthians to give everything that you have to the Jerusalem church so that the Jerusalem church has everything you have and you guys are left with nothing. I'm saying that because they have nothing and you have so much, you need to give them something so that they have something like you have. Are you with me? The gospel invades our thinking about stuff. My stuff is now a tool to bless others. Live that kind of life. Think of how can I bless people with my this, my that, my this, my that. How can I be of service to others? We're not going to answer that last question, that third question there. It's not, it's not really necessary. And I asked you, uh, group 5 and 6, to discuss Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, 21, as we come to close. Let me read it for us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where who? Where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In these verses, how does Christ say we ought to protect ourselves against Theft. Groups five and six.
Group six? Yes, yes. Um, and what does he say happens to your heart in all of this when you do this? But if you, if you place your treasures, you, what goes first? Is it the heart that goes first or is it the treasure that goes first? It's the treasure. So the treasure pulls the, the heart like a cart. You with me? Oh, you guys don't know carts anymore? You're too young? Oh, man, what can we use as an example for these Gen Zs? Oh, my goodness. Trailer. Yes, thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. Yes. The treasure is the Isuzu. And the heart is the Fenta. The trailer behind the Isuzu. It's not the other way around. So, again, we're not being legalistic. Okay, we're not being legalistic. But if it is obviously visible that your treasures are here, then it is safe to conclude that your heart is where? Here. Yeah? Okay. If, if, if you make a habit of your life of making... You're always thinking about what am I going to have here? What am I, how am I? It's all about here. You don't take, you don't think about heaven. You don't think about thinking about God's people and God's kingdom going forward and more people being saved, adding more friends for yourself in the eternal. You're just thinking about here. If your mind is just all about here, let me get this, let me get that, man. Let me get this. Your heart's going to be here. Okay. I mean, just look at what happens when you buy a new phone. What happens in those first, like that first day, when you've got this shiny new, what's the new, what's the new iPhone now? Yeah. What, what happens? You're like, yo, yo. <laughs> You're like, huh? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was like that when I bought my new car. Like, I couldn't handle it. I was like, hey, man. <laughs> like, hey, man, this is... And like each day when I was driving, I was like, look at it, it does this. This car does this. Oh, they didn't say that this car has this. It's very exciting. That's what happens. Right? Your, the, the, it's just, it pulls it like a car. It pulls your heart. So, let me, so what you need to do is to make a conscious decision to invest in the, the age to come. Make a conscious decision. How do I invest in the age to come? Invest in the age to come and you will see your heart following. Don't start by thinking, oh, my heart needs to be there first before I invest. You see what I'm saying? You invest in the age to come. Meaning, you use your time with other people. Yeah? You spend time with people who perhaps need to hear the gospel. You, 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 you sacrifice your time. I'm not going to watch Squid Game today. I'm rather going I'm, I'm rather, I'm rather to go and spend time with this person with the gospel. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against watching stuff. I'm just making an example here, okay? Don't, don't, don't come at me. I'm just making an example. Don't, I'm not going to do this now. I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to spend this time with this, this brother or this sister who needs somebody to explain the gospel to them. I'm going to, I'm going to actually buy this person a Bible from the money that I got for my books. If something's left over, I'm going to take 
I'm going to buy this verse in the Bible myself. I don't need to go to the church and find somebody to buy this verse in the Bible. I'm going to do it myself. Why? Because you, you are investing in the age to come. Put your money there. Invest there. Think about, okay, where, where, where are Christians in need? Oh, I've got a bit, I've got like 50 rand left over at the end of this month. Today's the, the, today, tomorrow I'm going to get an, another payment. Today is the last day. I've got 50 rand left over. Who, who do I know from church, uh, perhaps who's struggling? Let me try and find someone and let me go, go, go buy them a, a few. Can you buy any groceries with 50 rand? Probably can't. You can buy them bread, I think. You're, are you seeing where I'm going with this? Invest in the age to come and you will see your heart following. Are you with me? May God help us to have the gospel influence our lives and our hearts in everything. May, may God help us have a vision of life in the way that He does. That we would follow Him uh, in response to His great call of salvation. That we would follow Him with our lives and with all of our possessions. Let's pray. Our dear Lord in heaven, we do ask that you would need these truths into our very hearts. Oh, what great grace has been given to us. You, O Lord in heaven, you loved us and you came for us powerfully, visibly so. You, O Lord in heaven, you died for us. You tasted death, a thing that you had nothing to do with. You tasted it so that we might become the righteousness of God in you. Oh Lord Jesus, how precious you are to us. Even though we have days where we are cold and darkened, even though we have days where we we don't think about you that much, even though we have days where we are distracted, what Peter said about us is true, that to us, even though we have not seen we have not seen you, to us you are precious. To us you are everything. To us, you are king, ruler, master, majesty. And we ask, Lord, that you'd help us to walk in your ways. Help us to know what it is to fight against lust. Help us to know and have victory, Lord. Oh, Lord, won't you give us victory? We have many different battles that many of our friends don't know. Won't you give us victory? By your spirit, help us to overcome our lust. Help our intent to be pleasing to you always. Help us to have our will under your foot. That our will moves this way and that way as you command, and not as our dead flesh requires it. Oh Lord, we pray that you would help us. We also pray that you would help us avoid theft of all kinds. Help us to avoid theft of time. Help us to not be lazy. Help us to not covet our neighbor's goods. Help us to have an eternal vision with our goods that we have. We thank you for all that you give to us. And we pray that you give more to us and give us an abundance so that we can give to others. We pray, Lord, that our lives might be all consumed with your kingdom and your people. Help us to live this gospel out in practical and real terms. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Alright, friends, I will... uh, I will tell you when the next young adults will be. I don't really, um, I don't really know just now.
because of what's going to happen in the next two weeks. So I'll tell you, uh, on, on, just watch out on the, on the WhatsApp when the next uh, YA will be. Katle. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You look like someone who's called Katle. I'm sorry. Sis, did you raise your hand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. definition of success for us, we need to know who's the one who grades us. Okay? The one who grades us is unseen. Yeah? So, my success is, doesn't really matter what other people think. It matters to, to a degree. It does. It does matter to a degree. But, uh, my success is primarily this, what God says of me. So then, the measure of success has to be what God says is the measure of success. So if you're asking then, what does God say is the measure of success? Well, we need to look at what area we're talking about. If we're looking at work, going to work, like in life, God says the measure of success is working hard. He says, work hard. He doesn't say being, being rich is a measure of success. He says, work hard. He does say in the Proverbs, interestingly enough, he does say that an inheritance for your kids is a measure of success. So if you're able to leave an inheritance for your kids, that means that you're a wise person. Uh, I would refer you to the Proverbs to study in different aspects of life. What does God seem to, what does God think is a measure of success? So one, one measure of success could be that you're poorer because you decided not to work in an industry that was evil. Like when I qualified with my computer science, one of the opportunities I had was to go work for an online gambling company. Yeah, I could make code for them and all of this. Didn't do it, couldn't do it, I'm a Christian. See, I'm not gonna be able, I'm not gonna work in an industry that enslaves people, see, and, and destroys families, those kinds of things. So you might, there, there might be certain opportunities that you put aside even within a good industry, even within a good company, there might be certain things that you're not willing to do in order to not get ahead. So, uh, I think one group spoke about dishonest gain, not being corrupt. One measure of success is that if you've been speeding on the road, if you're driving, you've been speeding and you're caught by a police officer, one measure of success is that you get the ticket and go pay it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Are you following? Because you did not do something undercover to deal away with the ticket. You see? So sometimes the measure of success in God's mind might lead you to actually be poorer. So uh, that's, that, that's, what I, that's what I would say, Sisi, is that, is that the measure of success in our lives as Christians is, is exactly what God says in that area of life. So right now I might be single, even though I really desire to be married, and everybody's measure of success for someone who's my age is that I should be married. But all the suitors that have been coming to talk to me 
are ungodly people or people who don't trust the Lord Jesus. So I've been saying no and pairing them all off. That's a measure of success in God's eyes. Even though everybody else around me is thinking that I'm not successful. You understand what I'm saying? Think about an area of life. What does God say that's the measure of success? Because it's still feeling. <laughs> no. Uh, um, you bring up something though. Can I mention something to students? Piracy is theft. Piracy is theft. You can try, you can try just. Huh? If, you're sub- if you had to pay for something and you didn't pay for it, you, but it's in your possession, how did you get it? The only biblical category that you have is theft. You stole it. Pay for stuff. And if you can't pay for it, then live without it if you can. And if you can't, li- you're not going to die just because you didn't get Drake's new album. You're not going to die if you didn't watch this, this latest movie. You're not going to die. You know, you know what I mean? You're gonna live. Nobody's ever died because they did not watch the movie that everybody's talking about. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> oh. No. No, it doesn't. Um, unless the wealthy got their, their money by stealing or by oppression or any of the other categories or dishonest gain and they've stolen. But just because here we have somebody who's rich and here we have somebody who's poor and this person who's rich is not giving what they have to the poor, that doesn't, it doesn't mean that an injustice is happening here. Okay? The, the, the Bible, scripture, you know what Jesus says about the poor people? Can I say something? Can I tell you? Jesus says you will always have the poor with you. Do you remember that? Yes. Remember, you remember Judas? Judas was thinking he was clever. <laughs> Judas says, because he wanted to steal from the, he wanted to steal for himself, so he was busy saying, hey man, hey, what, what, why did this woman use this expensive perfume on you? We could have sold it for the poor because he wants to steal. It's funny. All these revolutionaries end up stealing, don't they? Oh, read history, my man. All these revolutionaries who are busy saying, let's get the rich and give to the poor. Let's steal from the rich and give to the poor. What do they end up doing? Read history. So all I'm saying is it, 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 there's a lot of Judases in the world, and Judases, and that's one category. No. Uh, the, the, they, until Jesus returns, there will always be poor people. So go ahead, apply your, your theories of political science or economic science. You can go ahead, feel free. But Jesus himself said, you will always have the poor with you. 
It's not me. He said it. So there's always going to be poor people. There's always going to be rich people. There's always going to be sin. There's always going to be people who are greedy. There's always going to be these things. We shouldn't be worried about them. We should be worried about living a just life before God. Stop worrying yourself about things that don't concern you. Okay? There's always going to be rich people. There's always going to be poor people. That's the end of the story. That's what the Bible says. Yep. Yes. You, if, you, if you can start a statement with saying, I want to be rich, you're sinning. Because, because there is a difference between um, generating a lot of cash and having it go somewhere else than the concept that the Bible says of being rich, being full. You understand what I'm saying? That's a, that's a different category. So if you can start with a statement with saying, I want to be seriously rich. I want to have... I want to I be a billionaire. You've already... That's what it is. Yeah. Um, Clay? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Because what Paul is talking about there is is his is uh, is him striving to be perfect, right? Which you will only have when Christ returns. So, he, but, but when, when, when Paul is being tempted with sin, uh, there are instances where Paul says, I'm not going to sin. That's success. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's that simple. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not necessarily to say that now you're, now you're, you're Jesus, like now you're perfect, you're sinless perfection. It's at each point... You deal with life in each in different situations. As long as you're doing what God requires of you categorically, you are successful in God's eyes. You are being a, a wise and faithful servant. The idea, we use the term success because it's a common term. The biblical word that is used instead of success is faithfulness. Being faithful to God, your, your, not just your maker, your redeemer. Yeah. Tanatsu. Yeah, uh, have you, it's First Timothy 6. Do you want me to read it? Um, it's First uh, it's Timothy 6. It's not, yeah. It says, look at what he says. Look at what he says. First Timothy 6, if you, uh, you can read from verse 6. Let me read it for you from verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world... And we cannot take anything out of the world. Now, that's a lot of theology right there that we could have dealt with, but I chose not to because it's too much. Verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. 
It doesn't say those who desire to be rich might fall into temptation. Do you notice what he said? But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, he didn't say money, he said for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You see the issue is, the issue is desire to be rich, that's going to that's gonna cause chaos in your life. The issue is the love of money that's going to cause chaos in your life. But what we need, what we desire, what we desire, what we desire is to be content. Is to just have food and clothing. Yeah? Okay. Chani? Do it. Do it. And then p- put your treasure in heaven. If you want to go into that job so that you can be rich and have stuff, that's the problem. But if you want to go to that job uh, so that you can use that cash to, to put the treasure in heaven, that's it. Or if you want to help others or whatever it is, there's many... Really, there's really one category. There's so many other categories that are, that are good. Just one category. It's wanting it for yourself. Once the self becomes the center of why I'm doing things, problems, problems, zinkinga. But, but if others are the center, if others are the focus, could be others like just charities or whatever it is, then we're, 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 we're good. Does make sense? Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm, Joe... Okay, Joe and then Clotiso and then we're done. Okay? The, 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 the key issue here is who's at the center of everything um, and, if, and, and who possesses everything. Um, and actually, it's interesting. We can say, oh, this thing is, I have this thing, but really, I want, it's the Lord's. But then when there's people who need this thing that the Lord is sending to you, then it's like, no, can you look at someone else? <laughs> then you know. You say it's the Lord's. It isn't practically in your heart. You want it for yourself. Great question. I think your family is enough. I mean, I don't think... I wouldn't say your family is enough. I think your family is a good reason. Okay? The Bible says a, a person who does not provide for his own family is worse than what? An unbeliever. Speaking specifically about a man, a husband, who just sits there and doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Um, it says in First Timothy 5 that we have to take care of widows among us. Um, and we cannot take care of widows among us if they have ch- Christian children. Those Christian children must make sure that they, they give to their grandmothers and their mothers, you see. So it, it, your family is enough, yeah. Okay, guys, let's end it there. You're dismissed.